Welcome back to the Core EM Podcast. Core content for anyone, anywhere, and just in time. This is the official podcast of the NYU Bellevue EM Residency Program. I'm Anand Swami Nathan. And I'm Jenny Beck Esme. So Jenny, what are we uh, going to talk about this week? So this week, one of our second year residents, Aaron Mucky, gave a great talk on calcium channel blockers versus beta blockers for rapid AFib. And this is a question that comes up all the time in the ED. So I was hoping we could talk about this. Yeah, absolutely. It comes up almost every shift that we have a patient who comes in with rapid AFib that we have to slow down with one medication or another. Now, before anyone asks, we're really talking about the patient who has chronic atrial fibrillation or maybe their recent onset, but of unknown time of onset. For the patients who have had their onset under 48 hours, clearly under 48 hours, I'm almost always going with rhythm control over rate control. And we did a post on this topic a while back. One other caveat to our discussion we're really talking about lone atrial fibrillation patients. These are patients who come in simply because their rate is up or they're having palpitations. Maybe they feel a little short of breath. In patients with chronic atrial fibrillation who present with tachycardia, you do have to remember to search for underlying causes of that tachycardia. Remember, these patients with chronic atrial fibrillation, when they come in with atrial fibrillation and RVR, that's basically them having their sinus tachycardia. So they could have sepsis, ischemia, PEs, GI bleed, and a host of other problems. Right. I feel like we see those all the time. The patient with the chronic AFib who comes in in rapid AFib because of one of those other underlying things. So you have to get to that when that's the the real issue. But for those patients who come in with just the isolated AFib, we have to figure out how to slow them down. So there have been several studies comparing calcium channel blockers with beta blockers for rate control in the rapid AFib. These all seem to show that both drugs, usually they're comparing diltiazem to metropolol, successfully control the rate. The highest quality study we have so far is by Fromm and his colleagues and was published in the Journal of Emergency Medicine back in April of 2015. Now, this study shows that both medications are effective in rate control, but that diltiazem may work a little faster than metoprolol. While this is the best study we have so far, it has a pretty small sample size, and the maximum dose of metoprolol given was 10 milligrams, which is a little less than the usual 15 milligrams that many hospital protocols allow. So it may not have been a perfect comparison. Right. Not a perfect study, but again, like you said, it's the best that we have. In addition to the things that you note, the endpoint, while important for the ED, rate control may not be that important to the patient or in the grand scheme of things. So getting rate control within 30 minutes, the patient may not care so much about that. In general, I think this information along with other information makes diltiazem the probable preferred agent for slowing rapid atrial fibrillation. But I think there are some other considerations to take into account as well. When deciding which agent to give, the first thing you want to know is whether EMS gave any IV agents en route. In general, we try to avoid giving both IV beta blockers and IV calcium channel blockers due to the risk of precipitating a complete heart block. Now, Swami, this is kind of a theoretical risk, or is it something that we should actually be really concerned about? 
Well, we don't have a lot of data here. The thing is that no one is going to do an RCT of giving people an IV beta blocker and an IV calcium channel blocker and seeing if they decompensate. And I think that people are probably pretty reluctant to publish even a case report on this as well. It would look pretty bad to say, hey, look at this thing that I did that everyone said I shouldn't do, but I did it anyway, and the patient had a good or bad outcome. And even if you had those case reports, when we're talking about harm, you need a pretty large study or a pretty large group of patients in order to show that there is or there isn't harm or that there is safety. Now, in talking to our pharmacologists, and let's be honest, when I say our pharmacologists, I mainly mean that I spoke with Marianne Howland, who is one of the editors of Goldfrank's Toxicology and really one of the smartest people I've ever met. And she tells me that mixing these two in the IV form seems like a pretty terrible idea because you have the potential to block all transmission down the AV pathway. Right. So basically we don't want to do it. So first of all, figure out if EMS gave something and don't give the opposite thing. So then next you want to think about the patient's other medical conditions. Now this matters for a couple of reasons. First, one drug may have potential negative side effects in the patient's other medical conditions. And then second, it can be beneficial if you kind of consider what medication the patient may end up discharged on. And for some of these medical conditions that they might have, either a beta blocker or a calcium channel blocker may have a better mortality benefit. So Swami, what are some of the things that we should be thinking about here? Well, in general, I think beta blockers should be avoided in patients with asthma because of the risk of exacerbating bronchospasm. This is mainly an issue if they have active bronchospasm, but still probably not the drug I'm going to discharge an asthmatic on. So diltiazem would be preferred for that set of patients. So what about COPD? Should we be avoiding beta blockers and COPD as well? You know, interestingly, no. There seems to be potential mortality benefit for patients with COPD who are treated chronically with beta blockers. So that might actually be the better choice in that group of patients. Patient with COPD, I'd give them a beta blocker. The other medical conditions you might want to consider are hypertension, CHF, and ischemic heart disease. Now, here it gets a bit tricky because quite often these conditions come together. In hypertension, a calcium channel blocker is the preferred agent because beta blockers haven't been shown to be as effective at preventing cardiovascular events. In CHF, long-term beta blocker treatment shows improved survival, and in ischemic heart disease, only beta blockers have been associated with reduced incidence of ventricular arrhythmias and sudden cardiac death. So for hypertension, a calcium channel blocker is better. And for CHF and ischemic heart disease, a beta blocker is better. But I can't say that I have seen many patients with CHF or ischemic heart disease that don't also have hypertension. So I don't really know what to make of this. Uh, we can sit around and try to predict what the cardiologist or what the internist is going to want to send the patient home on. But like you said, these diseases overlap. Many of the patients have multiple of these comorbidities. And so it's going to be very tough for us to figure out. And I think it's easy for us to look at that patient and just have decision paralysis about which therapy to give. Now, remember, these are all long-term benefits of therapy. In the few IV doses that you give in the emergency department to establish rate control probably don't have too much of an effect. Now, my experience, calcium channel blockers tend to get rate control faster. And again, that jives with the literature that we have. We like to get that rate control faster because then we can get the patient moved on out of the department. So what do I do? If the patient's on a beta blocker at baseline and there's a good reason for them to be on that beta blocker, 
I'll usually go with a beta blocker for rate control, although I know that it may take a little bit longer for that beta blocker to kick in and give me the rate that I'm shooting for. Now, if they're on a calcium channel blocker, clearly I'm going to go with that. If they're on neither, well, I'm probably going to pick a calcium channel blocker and worst case scenario, they get switched while they're in-house. All right, Jenny, how about some take-home points to wrap this all up? Absolutely. So first, both IV metoprolol and diltiazem are effective at establishing rate control in rapid AFib. Diltiazem may work a little bit quicker, but both are going to work for you. Second, avoid using a combination of an IV beta blocker and an IV calcium channel blocker because this could precipitate a complete heart block. Scary, bad, don't do it. And then last, you might want to consider the patient's other medical conditions like asthma, hypertension, CHF, and ischemic heart disease when you're picking an agent. But ultimately, if that agent gets changed while they're in the hospital, that's not the end of the world. Yeah, I think probably six months ago, if you asked me the same question, I would have just said, give me a calcium channel blocker. That's clearly the way to go. It's just not that simple. I think we can think a little bit about this, and we don't always have to be rushing to get that rate right under control. If it makes sense to give the beta blocker, no big deal, no harm, no foul in giving it. That's going to be all for the Core EM podcast this week. Come on over and check out the site at coreem.net. We've got a ton of great core content emergency medicine. Don't forget to check out our Facebook page, follow us on Google Plus, and on Twitter where our handle is at core underscore EM. Thanks, and see you all next week. <laughs>